And we are off and running on the first edition of Steiny Pods. This is the podcast equivalent of my YouTube series, Steiny Films. And I'm going to give you a few reasons, maybe one or two actually, of why I decided to do this issue, which was originally supposed to be another YouTube video as a podcast. One, I feel like the content in this issue would be perfect for a podcast and in podcast form. We're going to be talking about the NFL draft, however. We're going to put that off for a little bit, but here's the reason why I decided to give you this in podcast form. I've always wanted to do a podcast, and I found out how I could do one at the Illinois Community College's Journalism Association Convention at Grand Bear Lodge just a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, I'm part of the Ivy Leader over at Illinois Valley Community College. I will be until I leave there in just a couple of weeks. However, I, I saw this presentation of how to do a podcast, and I was really, I wouldn't say enlightened, I was really intrigued about doing one. And here we are. I am doing it right now. So as I'm doing this right now, I'm hoping to maybe do a podcast maybe every other once in a while, maybe every two weeks, maybe rotate between a podcast and a video. Obviously, video editing really sucks. So I hope this is a lot easier than video editing, doing just a podcast. You don't have to see my face. You could just hear me talk, and that is what I love to do, Is if you really know me. I love to talk about sports and anything else that is currently going on in the world. I usually tend to refrain from politics now, but this isn't about politics. This is about sports. So today we are going to be talking about the NFL draft that took place about a week ago from Thursday. By the way, I have no idea when this is going to be released. So we're taping this right now on a Wednesday, but hopefully this will be released soon. I hope to release this soon, obviously. But the NFL draft did take place this Thursday, last Thursday, pardon me. So, podcasting basics, I should know. I had to move my microphone out of the way of the papers that I am using right now. Because if this was a YouTube video, I could get away with it without moving the mic. But this is a podcast and your ears will be absolutely messed up if I move the mic around. But the NFL Draft, and I'm a little bit hesitant to give grades out for teams on the NFL Draft because here's my take on draft grades. I think they are part of what the media wants in a hot take society. Not a hot take society, but the media absolutely craves hot takes. And draft grades, in a way, are just a version of hot takes. They mean absolutely nothing in the end. Take the Bears 2017 draft class, for example. 
They were getting C's, D's, and F's from all media outlets out there. And it turns out Mitch Trubisky, pro bowler, Tariq Cohn and Eddie Jackson, pro bowl and all pro. So three pro bowlers and two all pro players. So in the end, I think you should wait to judge the draft for yourself. And also take the Browns' first round in 2014. That was graded highly by experts. And the picks were Justin Gilbert and Johnny Football, Johnny Manziel. So that really aged well, those draft grades. Justin Gilbert was an absolute bust. And Johnny Manziel was just hanging around in low-level football leagues. Most recently, the AAF, which obviously went down. But to get to the 2019 NFL Draft, I think this was a very deep class with probably once-in-a-generation type defensive players in this draft. I think the best player in this draft went to the New York Jets at number three, Quinnen Williams, dominates every snap he plays, every timeout in an SEC game, which the SEC produces the best, along with the ACC, the best NFL players, but the SEC produces absolute dominant defensive players. And Quinnen Williams is going to be the next in line to be one of the top defensive players out of the SEC to strike huge in the NFL. Dominates every snap he plays. And I think this will definitely carry over to the NFL. Greg Greg Williams is going to absolutely love him. And if I were a defensive coordinator, I definitely would too. Because think about it this way. He's 6'4", and he's almost 300 pounds. He blazed a 4.83 in the 40-yard dash. So his... Physical abilities are beyond unbelievable. They're basically not really seen in athletes anywhere. So his physical capabilities, I think, are one of a kind, and it allows him to dominate every snap he plays. I think he will be a top five defensive player in the NFL a few years from now. All right, so... Now that we talked about my best player in this year's draft, we are going to talk about the top 10. I'm going to keep it short, so I'm going to abbreviate it to the top 10. Number one, Arizona Cardinals, Kyler Murray. Now, I believe that Kyler Murray is going to be a really good quarterback, but there's a couple things he needs to improve. Now, for one thing, do not worry about his height. Consider the fact that shorter quarterbacks like Baker Mayfield and Russell Wilson have had some good success. So I don't think height is going to be a concern. It's pretty much an overrated concern. His statue, though, that's worth a little bit of a concern. However, Kyler Murray needs to improve his pocket presence and pocket footwork. He was mostly on the run on the move in Lincoln Riley's offense. However, I expect Cliff Kingsbury to play to his strengths when Kyler Murray begins play in week one this season. So expect him on the move a little bit until he gets confident enough to play in the pocket. So I think he needs to improve his pocket presence. But he has great arm strength. Great arm strength and he could zip it in there with great accuracy. So, But I believe he 
fits a lot better in Kingsbury's system than Josh Rosen does. But I believe the trade Steve Keim made to the Dolphins involving Josh Rosen was fireable at maybe best or worse. But overall, I understand the motive of selecting Kyler Murray over a guy like Nick Bosa or Quinnen Williams. Yeah, those two are once-in-a-generation defensive players. But Kyler Murray has the chance to alter the course of your nearly 125-year franchise history, or actually maybe over. I'm terrible with dates. But he has the chance to alter the course of your long history. You are one of the charter, two remaining charter franchises of the NFL, and you've never won a Super Bowl. You haven't won a championship since God knows how long. So I think Kyler Murray has a better overall shot of changing the trajectory of the Cardinals franchise going forward than any of those two in Nick Bosa and Quinnen Williams. So I understand the pick. But in conclusion, he really needs to work on his pocket presence and footwork. But I think he has all the tools to be a really good quarterback. So the number two pick, San Francisco 49ers, Nick Bosa, physical specimen at six foot four. He could dominate every single snap. He is an explosive rusher, pass rusher that is. He's often injured. He left Ohio State early to prepare for the draft. But if you watch his film, he dominates and stands out on every play of the film. So I think he is going to be a once-in-a-generation talent for San Francisco off the edge in a 4-3 defense, which is his absolute perfect fit. So we already talked about New York Jets, Quinn and Williams. Cleveland Farrell to the Oakland Raiders. I believe that that is a little bit of, let's say that is a reach. But consider this as a positive. Cleveland Farrell was on a stacked Clemson defensive line. Clemson had three defensive linemen go in the first round. And Cleveland Farrell, I think, was the best out of all of them. He is, an ex he is a pretty good bull rusher. He's highly productive. 11 and a half sacks last year, and I think... I might be wrong. I'm Once again, I'm really bad with numbers and I don't have it written down. 19.5 or maybe more tackles for loss. So he's a highly productive player. Now, I think it's a little bit of a reach. I had in my Ivy Leader mock draft, yes, I do sports editing for the Ivy Leader, even though that's already over with now. But in my mock draft, I had him going to the Raiders with their Bears pick at number 24. So, in the end, it's a little bit of a reach, but it's still a really good pick, and Cleveland Farrell is a really good I think he's a really good player. Devin White to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's going to replace Quan Alexander, and I tell you, they got a really good one. Devin White can fly around the field, sideline to sideline, explosiveness. Most teams, I'm going to tell you this right now, most teams are building their linebacker cores out of speed. So they're building it around speed. Consider the Bears for example. Their inside linebacker core, Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan, they can both fly around and roam sideline to sideline explosiveness. So in the end, 
teams are really building their linebacking core. It's the modern NFL. They're no longer trying to put you in a cemetery like Dick Butkus. They're building it around speed and all-around skill when it comes to defense. And Devin White is the prototypical modern linebacker in which he can fly around the field and roam with sideline-to-sideline explosiveness. I think he will be a really good help to an ailing Tampa Bay defense that ranked towards the bottom of the league in yards per game and points per game last year. Tampa Bay's got a serviceable offense, so if they could fix up the defense, I think they'll be a pretty good team. Now I'm going to give you my thoughts on the New York Giants. I've already given you my thoughts on Dave Gettleman on Steiny Films. I've already told you he's a fraud of a general manager. And selecting Daniel Jones, disregarding all the analytical evidence that says he's probably the fourth best quarterback and a low second round, high third round pick. And you select him at number six overall. Bravo! Bravo, Dave Gettleman. You are absolutely clueless. I mean, really. You stuck with Eli Manning, and instead of OBJ and Sam Darnold, instead you have what's ever left of Eli Manning, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, and no to Odell Beckham Jr. (sighs) Now, Dave Gettleman's only drafted two good players in Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey in Carolina. But would you rather have a better overall success as a quarterback in Sam Darnold at number two overall last year instead of just picking Saquon Barkley number two overall? I sure would have picked a quarterback number two overall last year over Saquon Barkley, even though Saquon's going to be a a once-in-a-generation talent at running back. Running backs aren't as important as they are in the modern NFL. They're easily replaceable. But Daniel Jones, I have to admit, I'm not high on him. I think he needs to work on a lot of things. But there's something to be positive about. Consider this. If a guy like Case Keenum can put up prolific passing numbers in Pat Shermer's offense, Daniel Jones has a reasonable chance to succeed. But the key is if Pat Shermer is still around. My point is Pat Shermer's offense is really easy for quarterbacks to succeed in. But if he's still around, then there's a chance Daniel Jones might be successful. Jacksonville got a really good edge rusher in Josh Allen. He's the best 3-4 edge rusher in this draft. Um... I'm talking about how much I like a lot of the players. I'm sounding like Gruden on Monday Night Football. But Josh Allen, I think he's going to be a perennial pro bowler if it all works out. He's a really good edge rusher, high motor, good bowl rusher, good explosiveness off the edge. So I really like that pick. Jacksonville did really well in the first two rounds, in my opinion. They were expecting to... Josh Allen to go to either the Bucks or the Giants. And he fell to them, and they got him, and they got their original first-round pick, Jawan Taylor, in the second round. So this was a dream scenario for Jacksonville for their first and second-round picks. TJ Hawkinson has been compared to Rob Gronkowski, 
And Matt Patricia in Detroit will get his own Rob Gronkowski. Now, TJ Hawkinson is not only a good pass catcher, he is also a really good in-line blocker, a really good run blocker. So he's going to be a friend not only to overrated Matthew Stafford, pretend you didn't hear that, Lions fans, but a friend to the running backs as well. Now, the Buffalo Bills got a top five player in this draft at number nine at Ed Oliver. That is an absolute steal, I believe. Ed Oliver is going to be an absolute beast of a three technique. He's going to be something else to deal with for all of interior offensive linemen in the NFL. The Bills get their Kyle Williams replacement, and he's going to be a good one for years to come. I think he's the next Aaron Donald. Similar mold, similar motor. I believe that Oliver is a good one. And Devin Bush goes to the Pittsburgh Steelers in an un-Steeler-like move to trade into the top 10. Now, you could tell the Steelers' defense wasn't really the same last year without Ryan Shazier, without a true Mike linebacker. So they really got a good one in Devin Bush. He fits their mold for their defense. High motor, good sideline to sideline, explosiveness, roams the field really well. So I think the Steelers got a really good fit for their defense. So overall, a really, really deep top 10, except for Daniel Jones, the most questionable out of all of them. But moving on to other gems and picks I didn't like in the first round. So we're going to do a little bit of a brief rundown of some of the first round picks. I really like Christian Wilkins going to Miami. Great fit. Brian Flores definitely wants to run both defensive schemes in Miami. He's going to alternate them per week. And Christian Wilkins fits in both defensive schemes, 3-4 and 4-3. So I think he'll do really well in Brian Flores' defensive scheme. The Washington Redskins look like a very competent NFL franchise for once. There were rumors that Dan Snyder was going to take control of the draft room, and that was going to end well, but that was sarcastic. But they ended up selecting Dwayne Haskins and Montez Sweat. They traded up for Montez Sweat, and the Washington Redskins looked like a very competent franchise for once. They didn't trade up, they didn't panic, and select Haskins that way. And they traded up to get a quality pass rusher in Montez Sweat. So I like what the Redskins did. Overall, the loser of the first round, the New York Giants, they have three first-round picks, and I don't think they improved. They didn't get anybody to pass, rush the passer. So I didn't like what they did there. They, I mean, does Dexter Lawrence, is he going to rush the pass? No, he's just going to clog the run. He will not help when it comes to rushing the passer. As I said, I'm reluctant to give draft grades, but for day one, I give the Giants a C minus D plus range. I really like the Packers' second pick and Darnell Savage out of Maryland. I think they got their Eddie Jackson to compliment Adrian Amos, who is not a good cover safety, so he needs an Eddie Jackson type next to him to make him look good. And the Packers went out and did just that and got Darnell Savage. He can fly around the ball. Pretty good safety. I really like that pick. Texans really reached on Titus Howard out of Alabama State. I think he's a third-round pick. 
and the Texans really needed offensive line help. And there was plenty of other talent besides Andre Dillard, who the Eagles traded up for one spot ahead of the Texans. They definitely could have taken Jawan Taylor or Cody Ford. So I think that's a huge reach right there. Marquise Brown goes to the Ravens. You've got to be a little bit concerned with his foot injury. Because once you injure your foot, I think it's his list, Frank. Once you injure that, you might never be the same again. But he's blazing fast, and he will give Lamar Jackson a security blanket that he really, really needed last year. Otherwise, in other first-round picks, the New England Patriots, Nikhil Harry is going to be really good in Bill Belichick's offensive scheme. I call it Bill Belichick's offensive scheme just because Bill Belichick is. He's He was originally a defensive coach, but I feel like he's become an offensive coach as time went on. Even though Josh McDaniels is the offensive coordinator, I prefer to call it the Belichick scheme because, you know, Belichick's such a good coach. But Nikhil Harry is going to be really good. He's going to give Tom Brady a go-up-and-get-it type guy that he'll need because Gronk isn't there anymore, even though I think Gronk will come back. But Nikhil Harry is going to be really... The fact that it's an easy scheme for wide receivers to learn, I think he'll be a top wide receiver in the league in a few years because he's in such an easy scheme to learn. Moving on to... We're going to skip to this third-round pick. By the Kansas City Chiefs. Shout out to the McComey homies. Obviously, I have a buddy over at Western Illinois University. Shout out to all the McComey homies with this pick. Colin Saunders, Western Illinois defensive tackle, goes to the Kansas City Chiefs. Number 21 in the third round. I'm not sure which overall pick. But... It's a damn good player, that Colin Saunders. He's much more than that backflip, I tell you what. I am. I really like that pick by Kansas City. Colin Saunders, I mean, I don't think he's going to be a top-run stuffer, but he'll be a damn good one at best. So, very under the radar at a Division I AA or FCS school. Once again, much more than that backflip. Shout-out to all the McComey homies, too. Um, Kansas City got a really good one in Colin Saunders. He is a beast. I think it will be a great three technique for Steve Spagnolo and Andy Reid's 4-3 defense. Okay, moving on. Back to the second round. Okay, my paper had the fourth round. Dream scenario for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I thought they were going to get Jawan Taylor in the first round, but they got a top pass rusher, Josh Allen, and they got their tackle, Jawan Taylor, in the second round. So it's a dream scenario for them. I think there was plenty of top talent, top first-round talent in the second round that was selected. Guys like Cody Ford, Drew Locke, Byron Murphy, Rocky Sin, Jawan Taylor, 
Joan Williams, you could also argue. DK Metcalf as well. Herb Smith Jr. too. And you could also argue Paris Campbell. So I think this was a really good second round. Cody Ford is going to be a good lineman for Buffalo. He'll help out that offensive line. Denver's taking a little bit of a gamble with Drew Locke. There might have been a reason that we don't know about of why he slipped out of the first round. Who else is there? Rocky Sin is a really good pick for the Indianapolis Colts. That team is built to win a championship. I mean it. I think that team is going to win a couple championships. Chris Ballard really knows what he's doing, and I like what he's doing over there. Byron Murphy is also one of the guys I, I'm not sure I mentioned, but was also first-round caliber, went to the Arizona Cardinals. I like that pick, too. I might be missing a lot more. Um, let's see. Elchton Jenkins went to the Packers. He will fit Matt LaFleur's scheme really, really well. So let's move on to round number three. Jakai Polite going to the Jets. I think that is an absolute steal. He was projected to be a round one pick but had a terrible combine. So the Jets are going to try to make it work. And if they do, they got a damn good edge, edge rusher to go along with Quinn and Williams. Now, I am a Bears fan, and I really like the David Montgomery pick. Everyone was saying, oh, he's just another Jordan Howard. Watch his film and see that he can move. He can move. He has great agility. He might not have breakaway speed. But think of him as Kareem Hunt, but with a very high character. So I think David Montgomery fits the gap-type running scheme of Matt Nagy's offense. Jay Sternberger is going to be a pretty good pass catcher for the Packers. Chase Winovich, on the other hand, better than his college teammate and now a Packer, Rashawn Gary. Belichick just got another Gronk there in New England. Chase Winovich is a really damn good edge rusher. And that Michigan defense last year was really stacked. I think Chase Winovich is definitely put up a lot more numbers than Rashawn Gary. So I think he is a lot better than Rashawn Gary is. It's also a pretty good third round, too. There are a lot of good quality players. Miles Boykin, wide receiver, Notre Dame. I'm not a Notre Dame fan, but he's a big-bodied receiver. I always felt like he had more of a tight end type of body to go with him. So I really like Miles Boykin, but he might not be that fast enough for the NFL. All right, finally, round four. Now, I like to say this. I'm not the one who originally said this. This is not my quote, but I kind of like to take it and say it. Rounds one through three make Hall of Famers. But 4th through 7th round picks, they make Super Bowl championships. So, rounds 4 through 7 are just as crucial to rounds 1 through 3. Yes, rounds 1 through 3 could make Hall of Famers. But the latter rounds of the draft really make those Super Bowl champions. 
And this was a pretty decent round four. Hakeem Butler, I might be saying that DK Metcalf is the next Calvin Johnson, but DK Metcalf really has a lot to learn in the NFL in terms of route running. But Hakeem Butler might be more comparable to Megatron than DK Metcalf. They have similar body types, but not really the 40-yard dash. But he's a go-up-and-get-it guy. Kyler Murray is going to love having him around in Arizona. What a bit of a gamble to take Bryce Love by the Washington Redskins. He has, he's a little bit small in size now. The Bears really killed it with their fourth-round pick. Fun fact, it says Calvin Ridley, but it's his brother, Riley Ridley, because both Calvin and Riley, both their first names are Calvin. But Riley Ridley goes by his middle name to avoid confusion. But I heard the guy, the executive of the Senior Bowl, saying that Riley Ridley was better than his brother Calvin. No, no, scratch that. He might be better than Anthony Miller is right now. And that's a pretty positive sign because if Anthony Miller can't stay healthy, we still got a damn good slot receiver and a good possession guy and route runner as well. So I really like that pick by the Bears in the fourth round. Calvin, not Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley's brother, Riley Ridley out of Georgia. I really, really like that one. Another Michael Jordan was selected. The guard out of Ohio State going to the Cincinnati Bengals. MJ doesn't stand a chance at six rings in Cincinnati and in this era, if you really get the joke. So that will do it for NFL Draft Talk, and let's switch over to some baseball. All right, quick change of plans. So I was originally going to discuss baseball, but the big story of tonight, the night that I am currently taping this segment, is the NBA Draft Lottery. The New Orleans Pelicans win the lottery and will have the rights to the number one overall pick and will most likely get Zion Williamson, who will alter the course of the franchise. Now, the Chicago Bulls just got the number seventh pick for the third year in a row. An incredible cell phone by management, Gar Foreman, John Paxson, their ass clown of a coach, Jim Boylan, and the Reinsdorfs. Well done. I've grown numb to Bulls-related disappointments since the end of the D-Rose Thibodeau era. I mean, everyone's complaining that it's rigged, but this is the exact reason why the NBA changed the rules to the lottery to prevent bad teams that are tanking to get the number one overall pick and top five picks in general. I do feel a little bit for New York Knicks fans. I mean, yeah, their owner sucks too. But to be honest, they have been disappointed for the past 40, 50 years. And tonight is a prime example of disappointment of being a New York Knicks fan, basically missing out on Zion Williamson. But a positive is you'll get a top three player. You'll get either John Morant or R.J. Barrett. You will get a prime stud in this draft. Four on down, you are SOL, basically. So the Bulls are probably 
going to end up with Rui Hachimura or Kobe White. But to be honest, you could sleep comfortably because Garpax is in charge. And they will be in charge for the rest of their lifetime. An incredible cell phone. They can't even win right and they can't even lose right. First swear on this podcast, I don't plan to do it much. But as I said, they can't win right. And when they want to tank, they can't even tank right. It's just unbelievable. I don't know whether to be angry or just laugh at it. Because when the pick was announced, I was laughing my ass off. I think it's kind of funny. Because this is exactly how I figured it was going to end. Because it's only the Bulls. John Paxson and Gar Foreman have managed to turn the Bulls organization from a model franchise to an absolute dumpster fire, a dysfunctional mess over the course of 20 years. Well, in the past 20 years since Jordan left. But Pax has done everything he's everything he can to turn this franchise into a dumpster fire in all of his 17 years at the helm. And the Reinsdorfs, they don't give a darn about the fans. The only thing the Reinsdorfs care about is making a profit for themselves. And the franchise is worth $2.9 billion, almost $3 billion, a top five franchise in the NBA in terms of value. And that is the only top five list they will ever make when it comes to good things in the NBA. Because the Bulls are going absolutely nowhere right now. And I guess they are just ready to accept that fate. Pax has had three rebuilds. He's had three chances to make it right. How many times does it take to realize that we are going nowhere? I mean, we've gone nowhere for the last two rebuilds. If it wasn't for Derrick Rose, he would have been fired. Well, maybe not likely, because Jerry Reinsdorf and his son Michael Reinsdorf are both loyal to a fault. But the rebuilds have gone nowhere, and they only have one Eastern Conference Finals appearance to show for it. And now, since this draft class is only a three-deep class, the top three players are probably going to be the only good players that come out of this draft. The Bulls are just going to get just another guy. Is he going to help you win a championship and get closer to an NBA Finals? Absolutely not. This team's going nowhere. This rebuild is destined to be a perennial number seven seed year in and year out that'll be eliminated in the first round every year. And it will be that way for Garpax's next five rebuilds. And frankly, folks, you know, there's a real team up north in Milwaukee with actual success, a great coach in Mike Budenholzer, and the next face of the NBA in Giannis Antetokounmpo. Would you rather have that or executive management that's stuck in their own heads, had three rebuilds and never got it right, only have one Eastern Conference Finals appearance to show for it, a rebuild that's destined to build teams to become a perennial number seven seed and an absolute ass clown of a coach that basically doesn't understand the modern NBA and runs post-isolation in a pace and space era. Basically gave the excuse that 
Post-isolation worked many years ago. Why won't it work now? But he was in San Antonio, and he had Tim Duncan. So, frankly, folks, there are two options. You root for the team that has a better chance of going to the NBA Finals. And possibly a, I mean, it's unlikely, but a decent chance of dethroning the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals or a perennial number seven seed. I'll say that again for the fourth time or the third time. I don't even know. I've lost count. Perennial number seven seed or title contender up north? Perennial number seven seed or title contender up north? The choice is yours, folks. And frankly, I have no energy left in me to become a Bulls fan. It's hard. It's, I mean, it's it's just built on disappointments. With inept management, ownership that only gives a damn about a profit, and an ass-clown of a coach who doesn't understand any concepts of the modern NBA. It's hard. I mean, we deserve better as fans. We deserve top quality. The Bulls dynasty cemented this franchise as one of the most historic, storied franchises in the NBA, but not up there with the Lakers-Celtics type storied, but a pretty storied franchise. And in the past 17 seasons, a toxic culture has been built that has destroyed the reputation of a once great franchise. I am one of the most cynical Bulls fans you'll ever meet. And frankly, there is no reason to be positive about the direction, the way this team is going. And that, folks, I've given it my all this rant. I know I've said the same things over and over again. But I'm really frustrated. I wasn't expecting the number one overall pick. But I really expect better out of this organization. And I have no idea why I expect so much top quality stuff from this organization. That just stuffs it in the fan space. And they know you will attend games. And that's one thing you should really stop doing. Is stop attending games. Stop giving them your money. And their value will go down. And maybe. Just maybe. Change is going to come. It is about damn time. And it should have been done in 2015. Or maybe even earlier. And one more thing. I think it says a lot about the management of the Chicago Bulls for the fact that NBA players love coming to Chicago. They love the city of Chicago. After all, it is a world-class city, and it's a beautiful city. I think we can all agree on that, no matter what political ideology you have or whatever views you have. But frankly, they don't want to come to the Bulls. And it says a lot when your coach was voted in the athletic poll one of the least favorable coaches that you would want to play for. I guess Garpax is really complacent with the fact that they don't want to recruit star players. Chicago is a world-class city that could easily recruit star players if they wanted to. And because of management being way in over their heads in delusional Ownership that is loyal to a fault and has refused to change anything. And Jim Boylan, who runs military-style push-ups 
and win sprints on a Sunday? Would you really want to play for him? It says a lot, folks. I think this city is the most beautiful city in the United States. It's the most beautiful city I've ever been to. I love the city of Chicago. It could recruit any type of athlete. But basketball? They don't want to come here. Not even Anthony Davis, who is from Chicago, wants to come home. Because the Bulls are a mess, and they are on the road to nowhere. We are irrelevant, and we have been, if you really want to stretch it, since 1998. Since Michael Jordan's second retirement. Or if you really want to count 2010, 2011, or after Derrick Rose got injured, you can all you want. But the fact of the matter is, we haven't been relevant in so damn long. We are in NBA hell, and we have done nothing. Management, Gar Foreman, John Paxson, Michael Reinsdorf, Jerry Reinsdorf, they have done nothing to help us get out of it. They've done nothing. They could do anything. And it starts with firing management and firing Jim Boylan and firing them off a cliff. And that, folks, I wrote an article about this in the Ivy Leader. I probably already mentioned that. But we need to hire our own version of a smart executive, kind of like Theo Epstein. And that could get us out of NBA hell. I honestly feel like those six titles under Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, we are now getting the karma for having a dynasty. And that, folks, is my honest opinion. Karma for a dynasty. It's bound to happen for the Warriors and Patriots. You know, it pretty much happens for all sports, and I think the Bulls are going through it now. Though we are in NBA hell and irrelevance, firing Gar Foreman and John Paxson both, and firing Jim Boylan, and hiring a smart young general manager like the Cubs and the Red Sox did when they hired Theo Epstein. But the basketball version of Theo Epstein could possibly, quite maybe, bring back our once proud franchise from the dumps into the promised land. Alright, that will do it for this rant. It did a lot for my emotional health tonight. Um, I've been a mixture of laughing my behind off and just emotionally angry at the fact that we just tanked for nothing. So I feel like I'm in the exact middle of how Bulls fans are feeling right now. But in the end, it's just a cell phone. And the Bulls deserve it. And that will do it for this rant. Thank you for listening if you actually made it through the whole thing. God bless you. And with that rant, that will do it for this episode of Steiny Pods. I've decided for baseball, I will do a Steiny Films on that sooner rather than later. I obviously have a couple summer jobs. So, thank you so much for listening. I actually enjoyed doing a podcast. So, I will do, hopefully, a lot more in the future. So, sit tight, stay classy, have a great rest of your day, and please, make good decisions over the summer. I do not want to see your name in the newspaper for any bad things. So please make good decisions, have a great summer, and have a great rest of your day.